day to day when you're very busy and you're running from meeting to meeting and then home is very busy, those brainwaves are very close together and very spiky, so you don't have the, the capability of having a big idea. This week, we're making conversations about finding passion and purpose count. You've been in, for want a better word, all the things that help you to feel happy. So you are actually, you are completely in control of that and how you feel. Our expert this time is a lady who helps you find your fire. Her training is literally called On Fire Leadership. I'm going to introduce Nicola Buckley to you, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about what we're going to be talking about in this conversation. Remember to breathe. Sometimes it's just the simplest of things that can help us feel enormously better. We cover things like hybrid working and how the last couple of years has turned everything on its head. It's put everything in a black bin liner, shook it all about, tip it out and see what sticks. And it doesn't work for everybody. So we've got to remember to be kind because those ideas that we have in how things are going to be going forward don't always translate in reality. So it comes down to saying no for now because it might just not be the right time. And of course, we've got to prioritise our own rest. It has been relentless. So that rest is really important because it allows us to recognise our own feelings and trust our instincts. So let me now introduce you to Nicola. Or should I say, I'm going to ask her to do it for me. Just remind us, what's your catchphrase? Because I kind of got myself into a bit of a tongue twist of trying to practice this. And I just went, I'm just going to get Nicola to say it. I help women at the top find their fire, passion, that purpose, that excitement, so they can drive positive change. Yes. And I think it was that free from overwhelm. Mm, That was the part that made me go, do you know what? Being a woman, and this is not to discount men's roles right Mm, that's what we've got to say here because men have a part to play yeah is that you know for example this today I was talking to a lady who was of WI age and said I can't bear to go because a room full of women is like having your eyes scratched out and I felt incredibly sad Mm. But I still had to find a way of justifying that women can be a little bit like that because we're in charge of such a lot, Mm -hmm. different aspects of our life. You know, we're mums, we're we're housekeepers, you know, we're the bookkeepers too often. We have to be the procurement department So when you break down what it is to be a woman in a family setting, there's quite a lot of departments that come into play and it can be overwhelming when you're trying to do all of that and go and do a job. 
where do you think we should start? Aside from saying, well, just breathe. <laughs> I actually think breathing is a, re- is a really good place to start. Yeah. Because I think it's, it's that pause, isn't it? It's that giving yourself the chance just to like, oh, it's very easy to fall into doing mode. It's very easy just to keep going. And actually it feels like a really brave, almost counterintuitive thing just to breathe and stop. But actually breathing is almost like the thermostat of the body. So even five minutes of box breathing, for example, five minutes of just slow conscious hand on your heart breathing, it brings you back into your own body. It brings you out of your head and back into your own skin. And it just helps you to start just that slowing down of things. And you, you get that perspective back and you get that, actually, I'm okay, I'm safe. So it sounds like a tiny thing, but actually it's a really huge thing. I'm a huge Brenny Brown fangirl. I was listening to her podcast this morning. Do you ever have one of those conversations where you just kind of lose track of time and you're laughing? And it's really interesting because she's prolific with content. She's prolific with her business. She has been for years and years. So if people don't know, Brenny Brown's an American researcher, but she also has a business around Dare to Lead and working with corporates to kind of be brave and have a different form of leadership, daring style of leadership, as she calls it. And they're actually closing the company for a month and they're actually taking four months off social media and she's taking four months off work. Because everyone's kept going for so long in that organization. There's almost a sense of we've kept going through lockdown. We've kept going through, you know, that, that first bit when we're working out what it was, that second bit of then implementing our day-to-day lives and how is it different? The third bit of then making that normal so that we can go to work so that we can support our children, our family. And then the fourth bit coming back into a bit of more normality, but at no point have we ever stopped to allow ourselves to grieve for the things we've missed, to miss that way of life and how it's changed, to, you know, that energy that it takes every time someone sneezes, like, oh my God, have you got COVID? Am I going to get it? Am I going to get ill? Quite liberating to hear this morning that actually it's almost, we've been through so much. Is it time to have that almost that restorative kind of pause and rest and stop? And I know it's it's very difficult and everyone's in a difficult, different situation, but is that, you know, a day away for yourself? Is that even taking five minutes to pause a breath? Because it just, it starts with that, really. Where to start <laughs> with that kind of information? Because the first thing I was thinking was how brilliant a strategy, because four months off, if you were thinking of doing anything with them and it was down the line, you would make a point of setting that up now to be sure it was in place. Yeah. So it can actually cement not just the idea, but becoming a reality. Yeah. So I think that's really clever. You know, just being able to breathe, you know, we've all probably caught ourselves doing that, haven't we? Hand on a heart and go, oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Before we face into something. Yeah, but if we're not careful, we can do that and catch ourselves. But I would just say, right, question yourself. How many times are you doing that? How often is that showing up for you? 
because there's the indicator, isn't it? That there's something not quite right. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's some really interesting studies, which I can share the audience, which, um, and this isn't a pity me as, as a woman, like I say, I'm a feminist, but actually my fiance is a feminist because he's, it's just about, it's that feminism of wanting equal opportunities based on, you know, your, not even performance, but based on what you can deliver and what you can do and your, you know, what do you bring to the role? There's studies through lockdown that showed that the gender pay gap has been 100 years or was two years ago, 100 years ago. So basically what that means is continuing with the rate of change and continuing with the programs and things that are in place. Two years ago, the gender pay gap was 100 years. So it means that our children's children are going to see that change and see feel that experience that parity but actually through lockdown because women carry this invisible load and again this is different in every situation and every home setup is different so I'm not speaking for you but just through what I've seen and just my experience so women carry this invisible load of what are the children today do we have the dog walker today do we have food in for tonight What's our social diary look like this week? And this isn't, again, this is different for every family, but women were doing that. And also the women I work with at the top were then leading their organisations through massive change and being the ones to carry a lot of the emotional load of that. And this invisible load means that that gender pay gap through lockdown and out to where we are now has increased to 136 years. So effectively, lockdown for women, women at the top, had a 36-year detrimental impact on creating that change in quality. Which is madness, because when you think about the effectiveness of those women, Mm. you would expect it to go the opposite way. And just to sort of counter the argument of the invisible load, it doesn't mean Mm. to say that men don't worry, but they worry about different things, don't they? Mm. They worry about, I know certainly in my experience, my husband worries about having the mortgage paid off yeah, and yeah. retirement. So that tends to be much bigger picture stuff. Mm-hmm. And what's for my tea is yeah. the only kind of daily thing that he's interested in is what's going in my stomach. But we, ha- as, as women, yes, we probably still worry about the mortgage and, you know, retirement, but probably less so because there's not enough room to think about it because of the dog walker and the is the school uniform done and have I got the shopping in for the next four days dinners and oh we've got nothing to put in the lunch boxes and yeah to go through that and be thinking of some of those those day-to-day things but then also as a woman at the top you then stepping back up into oh what's our strategy for hybrid working and there's that is a completely different you know, your brainwaves are completely different. The thought process is different. It's just, it's really hard to have that energy of flipping from one to the other. A lot of the initial work I do with clients isn't even around, you know, leadership style or it's not around purposeful relationships. You know, some of the things I cover, it's actually, how do we create time and space for you given your life, given your family, given your the role that you have? How do we create time and space for you, for yourself a, to do this work, but B, also just for yourself to have those big ideas, to spend a bit of time mulling over a conversation you had or reflecting back on something or thinking, how am I going to have this, you know, difficult conversation with someone in my team? And it sounds like, well, how does that relate to leadership, Nick? How does that relate to being a more impactful leader? It's like, because that's the space that you need isn't in the day to day. The space that you need has to be created. 
And that's something then to honor because that is where yes. the brain waves are different because that's where you have the big ideas and they're physically shown to be different between when you're very busy and kind of stressed in the day to day versus actually when you have time and space, the brain waves are long and looping. So then you can have the big idea day to day when you're very busy and you're running from meeting to meeting and then home is very busy. Those brain waves are very close together and very spiky. So you don't have the capability of having the big idea. Big ideas happen in the shower on the beach, walking the dog, yes, you know, just playing, playing with your children, like just being in the moment with them. The way that I look at, you know, that creativity of self is a little bit like, you know, we have a pie and we have portions for different things, mm. don't we? And as a culture, I think we are encouraged to not say no to take on that invisible load and and think that it's going to be, you know, walking one dog is no different to walking two dogs. Well, you'd think so, but in in reality, it's not. So, you know, you're eating into bits of the rest of the pie all -hmm. the way around. And if that piece that is just for you, it can translate into the, well, do you know who you are and what you want? Or do you have enough time to love yourself? Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah, definitely. And I love that analogy of the pie because that's the one that easily gets given up. That's the one that feels, for women, feel well, I, it's only me. So I don't need that or it doesn't matter or I can do that later or I'll do that when. And there's almost then a mentality of almost I'll be happy when. Or you I'm know, happy, be happy because when- they are. Yeah. When the children are older, when we move house, when we finish the extension, when I've got the promotion, when I've done the next qualification, when we retire, it's like, stop wishing your whole life away because happiness is a set of ingredients that you can create now because the brain's a pattern recognition machine. So actually you've feed in, for want a better word, all the things that help you to feel happy. The brain will recognize that and that creates happiness. So you are actually, you are completely in control of that and how you feel. I see women at the top almost when they come to me sometimes less now than ever. I think it's a a slightly different type of client, but it's it's almost like a martyrdom, you know, just sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. It's like, where are you left? What position are you in? Oh, I've been signed off work with stress. Oh, I've been offered counselling. Oh, I've been um, prescribed antidepressants or I need just to take three weeks off and just not be part of the business because I'm so burnt out. And it's like, but so we need sad. to kind of help women identify further back up the line that when when they're on the course of that and not when they're actually in it, because the course correction is much more extreme there than it is actually I need to set some boundaries, actually I need to say no, actually I do need to leave at five more often. What's your advice then, Nicola, to... Mm anyone that's finding themselves a little bit overwhelmed with it all what would the first sort of step I mean we've mentioned breathing and being able to identify something but what's the the next best positive step that they can take to sort of help that course correction we talked about the pause and stop and the breathing the next thing for me would be I Again, I spend a lot of time with clients in the early part, looking at their life and how it's set up. So a really simple next step could be to look at your the pace of your life. And this is something that doesn't get talked about enough, I think. Almost that sense of 
do I feel like, you know, there's never any time for anything and I feel like I'm running along, you know, headlong at 12 hours hen or do I feel like actually it's an eight hours hen? Because again, women at the top, it's like, I just need to deliver this project or I've just got this board meeting I need to prep for or we're just in negotiation for buying another company at the moment. So actually it's just everyone needs all hands to the pump. But it's like, but you need to kind of, you need to look at that and be able to break that into what does my pace feel like right now? If I was to think of the pace of my life right now, zero to 10, what score would I give it? The 10 being it's flat out. I don't even know where I'm gonna, how I'm going to get through the week. Three to zero, actually, it feels it's super slow and I'm actually quite frustrated. So where do you sit on that, that scale of pace? How does it feel for you? How's it affecting you? And then think, well, if I'm here now, so if I'm a nine out of 10, and actually that feels like, oh my God, I'm only just holding it together. I feel like plates could drop at any moment. I'm feeling quite stressed. I'm feeling like my heart's racing a lot. I feel like I'm not spending enough time. My children feel quite guilty. So how do you then take it back down to an eight? So this is where it might be around saying no, it might be around setting boundaries, it might be around being really discerning of how you're spending your time and knowing that actually if your boss comes to you and says, oh, can you just manage this team for a few months while someone else is off? Or do you want this huge new project and this, you know, be great for your career development or we'd love you to start doing a master's. It's like, it's okay to say no. It's okay to say, actually, at the moment, it's not quite the right time. It's no for now, it's not forever. And it's yeah. There's a fear that, like you said, that fear of saying no, and it's it doesn't make you a bad person. You're not saying no to that thing forever. You're saying no to that thing right now. And that's something that can change over time. But pace, I think, is a really powerful one to look at if you're feeling like you're overwhelmed and there's a lot going on at the moment. Do you think we ask ourselves often enough, mm. if I stepped out or back, from being in this situation what support do I have who can I lean on who can I bring in that would you know so that if I didn't need to be here do we ask ourselves that enough or do we just plow on blindly I think there's a lot of plowing on blindly and I think again I think Glennon Doyle talks about it on her podcast around burnout and the fact that there's this almost creative lag from everything we've been through over the last few years it's created it's almost this burnout but almost because there hasn't been an end to it because it's been every day for the last few years there's almost like there's no there's been no actually we're through that or something's different now it was desensitized from yeah, almost like there's this almost like a collective trauma cause and it, effect the best word yeah mm. we have run out we used to call it in my family like Mommy's run out of mommy. Like I have run out of Glennon. Sister has run out of sister. We are. Yeah. And so I started paying attention to friends who are talking to me honestly about their experience in life right now. And the words they're using to describe themselves are so fascinating. Zombie, robot, ghost. And then off the back of that, there's not been a, a clear demarc like, right, this is now into the, how life looks like now. So we're just carrying a lot of a lot of emotion. We're carrying a lot of trauma in our bodies. We're carrying a lot of grief from things that might have happened or people that might have been really ill and their lives have changed. As a result. We're carrying all of that with us and everything that we gave for so long through that period that it's actually really, we're still carrying a lot of it with us. 
Is it that the rules of the game have changed and we're now not quite sure how to play it, that we can re-educate ourselves and empower ourselves better? Yeah, and I also, but I also think there's this almost this sense of like, we can't stop because things are norm- a bit more normal now. Things are a bit more, you know, to go into shop and not wear a mask, to go and be able to visit your parents and not, you know, know that you can hug them, for example, or know that actually you can book holiday and it's likely it is going to happen. And so I think there's almost a sense of, well, we're back into normal. So who am I to take a break now? Who am I to rest? Who am I to stop? But like you said, like everyone's life has changed forever as a result of the last few years. And I don't think we give ourselves almost the time and the space to kind of process it because we're still in it. And there's not been a almost that collective break of, oh my gosh, I've been through so much. I just need to rest. I just need to stop for a little bit. Is that almost that sense and that pressure of just need to keep going. I just need to make it to some holidays, just need to make it to half term. But this is the collective energy I feel is just way deeper than that. That's yes, kind of I think and burnout and I, I think I get exactly what you're saying there, really, Nicola, is because there is so there are, I hear still so many conversations of trying to catch up or trying to recover what mm. has been yeah, lost, absolutely. you know. So on a business level, that could be we're trying to make up from customers and and you know, maybe a downturn staff changes you know mm-hmm. new people coming in that there hasn't really been like you say that big reset of reset the button stop the clock now we're into a new era you know it, it's kind of like we need a, a new year's eve don't we to say mm-hmm. this is a brand new year and yeah. that feeling that we get for yeah. you know making resolutions or you know setting intentions or what making intentional memories you know whatever yeah. it is i do get that we kind of need that and sometimes the stories that we hear in the media certainly don't help us put anything to bed either does it no no there's a brilliant book on burnout there's two sisters that wrote it together I can't remember their name off the top of my head but I can share a link which is the idea and the concept that effectively burnout is a collective um it's when we don't finish the cycle of our emotions so every every time we have a feeling every time we have an emotion there's almost like it, it passes through our body and then if we kind of, if we then kind of shift it out of our body, it's kind of, it's played its role. It's given us our, our message or the feedback that we needed from it. But because we haven't had that through this, through lockdown and everything that's happened, we're kind of carrying all of that with us still. So it's almost like the collective emotions that we've had for the past few years, we're still carrying some of that with us. And really burnout is when we don't go through and end that cycle of the emotion through our bodies. So because we haven't had that break, because we haven't allowed ourselves to grieve or to reflect or, like you said, kind of hit the reset button, we're we're carrying a lot of that with us still. It's surreal, isn't it? Because we are, when we deal with an emotion in ordinary times, we take that signal, don't we? And we know how to process it. But as a collective, there has been no significant signal other than mixed messages that means that we don't actually believe that that signal is true 
as well. So do we need to give ourselves permission and to ignore the collective and do what is best for ourselves? Is that a good place to be? Again, I think everyone's different. We've all had this huge experience, but everyone's everyone's life for it has changed in different ways. So I think it again it comes back to where you are and how you're feeling and what what you need. But I think even if we take it back to if you are feeling, you know, tired, if you are feeling burnt out, if you're snapping at your children more, if you're not feeling fulfilled at work, if you're feeling a bit resentful, if those symptoms of burnout for you, they might be really physical, they might be really emotional. If you're feeling like that, just a place to start understanding what's going on for you and just it's just like a daily checking yourself which again I get a lot of my clients to kind of think about this because a lot of them are women at the top that are giving a lot to everyone else but they kind of lose the connection and understanding of themselves so that is a very simple in the morning or in the evening whatever works for you most of my clients do this in the morning just ask yourself three questions how do I feel today what's going on for me like what's the story playing out for me today and what do I need today and it just starts that process of reconnecting back to yourself because it's, you know, if you think about what we're in control, we're not in control of what's going on in, in the bigger world, but we are in control of making sure today I understand what's going on for myself, how I'm feeling and what I need. And also be able to tell other people I'm not feeling great. So I'm just going to get my head down and get on with work. Or today, that really pressured meeting, I just, I'm going to do my best, but I'm not feeling you know, I'm, I'm a bit worried and not feeling as confident, you know, those kind of things. So that understanding yourself to then be able to share with other people. Yeah, it's not being an island, is it? No, no, you, you, you never lead on your own, do you? Who are you leading? You, you're a leader of one from the day that you're born, but you, when you step into being a leader, there's people around you and you're not going to be, you're not going to have the success that you want on your own. And I've seen more and more of that in the corporate world that actually a lot of the work that I do now when I'm running leadership programs like is purposeful relationships, how to be really purposeful in your relationship with yourself, but then also with others. It's a good place to start. It's the only place to start is with yourself, isn't it, Nick? Oh, absolutely. Again, it's the foundation of all the work that I do before we you know, look at your leadership identity or any of the stuff that might be known, you know, leadership coaching and executive coaching. It's like, what do you where's the gap in understanding yourself right now what is going on for you how are you feeling what are your values what beliefs are holding you back what's your language and how do you talk to yourself do you own your story of how you've come to be the person you are today those big five things are then essentially the heart of your leadership brand I can imagine the transformation it's got to be quite magical to be part of that process oh I love it it's very addictive but it's it's just it's almost like a perception gap when they first start working with me how they see themselves versus how others see them and actually just being able to close that perception gap and then starting to oh my gosh I'm a real expert at this or I'm becoming the CEO's right-hand woman and they come to me for ask my opinion on things and I had a, a really brilliant client that I worked with for a long time and she was invited to the board a couple of years ago and the exec board so and she was saying that first of all it felt like um we did a lot of work together on ourselves. We did a lot of work on our leadership style. We did, we just went really deep on stuff. And she did the work. She really focused on it. And as a result, when she went into that role, she was kind of in a lot of ways already doing it. There was some changes she had to make in her team. So for people to step up to give her more freedom to be more strategic. But she said, if I feel like I'm picking on a coat and that coat didn't really fit at first. And it's a beautiful coat that I love. 
And I love the colours, but at first it didn't quite fit me. It was feeling a bit off. It felt like it was almost a little bit too much for me. But now I, put, I when I go into those meetings, I, I have this mindset of like, I'm putting on this coat and I'm stepping into it. And the coat I love, I look great in it. I stand proud and tall in it. And that's, you know, that's the analogy of the work that we do is to, you, st- you, you wear that coat with pride. You stand proud and tall behind who you are. And it's transformational, but not only for that person but also for the team around them and their peers and their their more senior leaders as well just to have a woman that's not needing to be you know a yes woman not needing to be someone that is just out for themselves but actually be really at times vulnerable be empathetic and all the what were known as soft skills are now known as power skills like demonstrate and role model all of the brilliant things that women just inherently tend to have a little bit more of or tend to lean into a bit more the coat analogy is I use shoes, you know, sometimes mm. a new pair of shoes mm. can kill, can't they? Not often I get a pair of high heels on either, but we like <laughs> to stay in that comfort, don't we, as well? That's the other thing. It's about getting out of that comfort zone and mm. and, and pushing through to the point that it fits well or they yeah. wear well or, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and of course the byproduct is that that goes with you everywhere, doesn't it? Not just yeah. at work. Exactly. So it then becomes, it's almost like if we don't spend the time focusing on ourselves, we then have a gap in understanding. So when we tend to be more influenced by other people, or if we get some feedback we don't like, we carry it really heavy, or we'll kind of read into situations, things that aren't really there and make it mean something about ourselves. Whereas when we close that gap in understanding, that's when you become that really impactful and influential leader because you're doing it based on who you are. So you're not having to change who you are. You're not having to just take what everyone else says and you know what people that influence you. It's like, actually, this is what's important to me. This is who I am. These are my values. This is what I believe in. It so comes so much more natural as well, doesn't mm, it, in the end? Yeah. Because you're not then second guessing yourself or measuring up against something else that Mm. is really just a made-up story in your head you know the word authentic is used an awful lot and I kind of you know say genuine but genuine yeah it's almost like beyond authentic leadership because it's it's simply leading as who you are you know whether that's on some days you're going to be flying high and that's brilliant but on other days not so much and all of that's okay and you're then allowing and giving your team permission to do the same because like I said the last few years has been so different this is for me when authentic leadership needs to be at the heart of businesses starting to thrive again and starting to, you know, if they pivoted and changing, reaping all the benefits from that, but through that authentic leadership and that very much like, I don't want to use the term like psychological safety, which I understand the term, but it's almost like people are safe to be themselves, whatever that brings with them, whatever, whatever differences people have, it's safe for you to be here as yourself. It is a, about giving yourself the tools to be who you want to be yeah doing the things that you want to be doing and have the things that you want to be having and being in 100% alignment for yourself that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be perfectly in alignment with everything else in your life but at least it comes from a truth doesn't it Mm, yeah Mm. absolutely and that's it's almost that confidence then is built on that is that really firm foundation of like, this is who I am. 
And then, you know, even your know, leadership is always going to be challenging. You're at the front and people are looking up to you and you're going, you're leading the business into unknown areas or responding to changes in the market. Like it's always going to be challenging because it's constantly changing. But if the brain, again, to be at your best, the brain loves consistency and you're in that, that thinking part of the brain, that learning part of the brain when you're, you have that consistent framework. So if the world is changing around us, now as much as ever if not more than ever if you can have to have that consistency of understanding yourself is where confidence ultimately lies because it's almost like I'm an anchor in who knowing who I am even if the business changing even if the CEO changes tomorrow even if my division changes I still know who I am my wish or my dream would be to see that leadership catches up as fast as technology did through Mm. that time because if we could transverse you know Mm. 10 15 years and propel things forward then why is it so difficult for us within relationships to do the same it's madness (sighs) great question all great perspective if you think about the changes that have been in technology like how we went from I use Zoom a lot for my business anyway, but imagine like, you know, suddenly I'm having like a birthday party on Zoom with my mum who's 74 and mutes herself when she doesn't mean to and unmutes herself when she doesn't mean to and all sorts of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's almost, there's obviously within leadership, the people that are already leaders are going to almost like they want the element of kind of protecting all the work that they've done to get to where they are. So maybe there's element of protectionism still, but I think actually you know, from my day-to-day conversations with the corporate world, I think there's more openness than ever to things like, you know, making a company feel safe for everyone, making a company more of a coaching type culture, making companies listen to employee feedback more because what worked in the past isn't going to work in this new world that we're in. Mm. So I think, I think there is change. I think that varies the speed and the appetite for it change is different in every business. But I also think, I think there's a lot more hope and optimism and hopefully we've learned some huge lessons from the speed of change we went through. It's actually like when we need to do it, we can do it. Who'd have thought like companies would be 80, 90% of people working at home majority of the time or hybrid business models that were talked about for years. That is suddenly just not only just here, they're the norm. But yeah, they're here to stay, aren't they? It's, yeah. it's, it's not an idea that's poo-pooed anymore just because somebody wanted to keep control over employees. Yeah that it's proven that it works yeah it's a lot for us to still think about and there's a lot for us to still work towards isn't there Nicola Mm, absolutely absolutely work is never done which brings us quite tidily I think to the part of the show that I am always like I have no idea what's coming next we're going to carry on that conversation in just a moment but first Let me tell you about my Power Up programme. An hour and a half with me and accountability later. It's by no means ever going to fix everything. But what it will do is it will allow us to find one area that's a key priority for you to implement straight away into your business and allow you to just see the other areas that you need work on. It's a great stepping stone into the 12-week building block programme. Just book a chin wag, let's have a natter and let's see how I can help you. 
What's new, Wendy Wu? Well, I ordinarily bring you a top tip that's in line with the conversation that we've had today. But listening back to it, I think there's an awful lot of tips that are already in the content. So I wanted to share with you a review that we received recently from a past guest, Michael Bahanis. Michael writes, it's no surprise this podcast is a British Podcast Awards finalist. What a listener and question asker Wendy is. Nothing is scripted, that's true. It all flows freely and you feel right at home when Wendy receives you as a guest in her podcasting world. I had the honour of being a guest on a recent episode and enjoyed the experience thoroughly. Wendy has a rare gift of making her guests think very deeply about their field of expertise and go beyond the mere repetition of talking points. This is one of the main reasons the podcast is so eminently listenable. I have no doubt many awards are to come and podcasting stardom is but a question of time for Wendy Wu. Well, Michael, I have to say thank you to you and to Anna for being my guests that day. It just absolutely gives me goosebumps reading that back for about the 30th time because it means an awful lot to us here on the show that you feel that way. We love to hear reviews. We love to hear your feedback. So if you've listened to a recent episode, please do drop us a line. All the links you need are everywhere through our content. So it'd be great to hear from you. And of course, I'll give you a shout out. Oh, and I think this particular episode, we're in that no man's land between the votes being cast and the awards being released. So we'll keep you posted. I say, see Nicola, I asked you to think about Mm. one conversation that changed everything. If you're ready to share that with me. Yes, it all goes back to one conversation I had and it was probably about, I would say seven or eight years ago, let's say eight years ago now. And I was, it was the time when holidays were normal and we traveled just as part of what we did. <laughs> um, and I was, I went on a retreat to Thailand. So I'm a neuro, all of my works, neuroscience based and I'm an absolute neuroscience geek. So this was with my coach at the time that I did all my mind map diploma with. So we were away in Thailand on this retreat and we were effectively designing our our programs that we wanted to share with the world and the things, the programs that were going to be the things that we built our business on. So we started with what we want our life to be like, then looked at our values again, all those brilliant things. And then we were into, well, what do you want your program to be? What's the biggest thing that you've learned that you can put into stages that it would then help your audience or help a potential, you know, a new audience? We were all kind of thinking this through and went away to map out those different steps. And I realized that I, my biggest challenge had always been not feeling enough, you know, not enough of anything, not pretty enough, not successful enough, not just not enough. So this had always been nipping at my heels and I've done, I've done a lot of work over the last few years. It doesn't feel the same anymore. It's kind of like, it just nips at me sometimes when I'm maybe overdoing things or tired or just having a wobble. It doesn't own me anymore. It's quite a shift for me. So I was sat down writing about this program 
and I was mapping out the steps. So if someone came to me and said, Nick, I don't feel enough. How are you going to help me to feel enough? So I sat by the pool, beautiful location, the sun's shining, but I'm really getting really, really stuck in my own head. And also I think I was living through a lot of the heaviness that I'd carried through not feeling enough. And I've had this, my third business. So my first business didn't take off for certain reasons and I ended up closing that business. I carried a lot of shame about it. And it was like, I'm sat thinking about all this and I started crying and I had a friend that was sat to the side of me on these retreats. She tends to develop quite intense friendships. And this particular friend was um, a Scottish lad, a little bit younger than me. And he's just incredibly direct. And I loved it. So he was just sat with near me and he came over. He said, are you OK? I just wanted to check in with you. I said, I'm really not. I'm, I'm, I think I'm overcomplicating this. I'm quite stuck in my head. I'm sat here thinking who on earth is going to ever want to invest in this. And now, now having worked with thousands of people, I know a lot, you know, a lot of people need help with that same. I'm not feeling enough. I said, I'm just really struggling. Like no one talks about this. Like I don't feel enough. It's just it might be a byproduct. It might be part of something, but no one coaches someone from not feeling enough to feeling enough. And he said, right, I'm going to ask you two questions. I'm like, okay. So the first question was, he said, what will it take you to feel enough? And I just sat there. Gosh, that did floor me. Yeah. And it, it completely floored me because when I sat and thought about it, and I, I'm, I'm not normally silent. I can talk for Britain. I'm similar to <laughs> <Same>. you. Like, <laughs> so, you know, kindred spirits in that respect. And I, I had nothing to say. And he said, you know, gently kind of coaching me around it and just spent a little bit of time sat with me. He said, what's going on for you right now? You're visibly upset and I can feel your energy's changed. And I was like, I have never given myself a measure of being enough. I've set myself up for all of my life to not feel enough because I have no measure of being enough. So by default, without... Sabotaging anything. Yeah, how am I ever going to feel enough? Because actually when I get to here in my business, I didn't feel enough because that wasn't a measure. When I got the qualification, I got to here, I didn't feel enough. I got through a painful divorce and came out the other side and started my life again. I didn't feel enough. And that that one question of what will it take for you to feel enough just completely made me see that I had this huge gap in understanding what it would take for me to feel enough. I'd never sat down and thought about it. That led into a second question. He said, well, let me ask you another question. My first dog was a little, um, he was a rehome, he was a little white Jack Russell. His name was Sam. So he said, right, let me ask you something different. And just to kind of think about this in a different perspective, he said, Sam's enough, right? I said, of course he's enough. He said, you love him completely. I was like, yeah, absolutely, without, without condition. He said, does Sam need to go to crafts? Does Sam need to be more trained I was like well probably should be a bit more trained but that's a whole other thing he said but the point is Sam is already enough and you've got this scratchy little white dog that you love completely you love the bones of him and you would do anything for him and he's like your child yet you're not enough and you're his mum and I was just again I was just really shocked of how I treated myself so badly to allow myself to love Sam unconditionally but not feel the same about myself mm. and it was just again that realization you know Sam doesn't need to change who he is as a little dog Sam doesn't need to go to crafts he doesn't need to be you know on the he doesn't need to be a pedigree he's just he's Sam and I love him but I'd never allowed myself to think that about myself 
And those two questions of what will it take for you to feel enough, that realisation that I'd never set a measure or gave myself a point at this, you're enough, meant that I, by default, was never going to feel enough. And then the second question, kind of conversation around talking about my dog, Sam, was like, how can I unconditionally love my little scratchy dog, Sam, but I can I don't feel that about myself. And that whole conversation, I think for me, was this realisation of how, for want of a better word, you know, I, I treated myself quite appallingly at times. I was I kind of like the afterthought, after work and after I'd, you know, done everything and proven everything, then I might think about myself. It wasn't ever going to be in doing something. It wasn't ever going to be external. It wasn't ever going to be fixed. It was down to me to kind of, what do I need to do to feel enough? And that those are states that are created in my program that are yes it's a leadership program but it's also I will help you to know yourself and know the black and the white and the gray and everything in between because out of that comes that your leadership identity out of that comes that confidence out of that comes that I'm going to have relationships that are really purposeful that will help me to get to where I want that feel good out of that comes creating a purpose and a, a vision for the future so that whole conversation just sent me off on a different route that was away from I'd had gym businesses I'd had fitness businesses and actually I want to be a coach I want to be a pure coach that led me into a coaching business and led me into starting last year change it again into becoming a leadership coaching business with women at the very top of organizations so that conversation for me changed the trajectory of my whole life because it was that slap in the face almost of you can't be stuck in not feeling enough because how are you going to get out of it? How are you going to do? And it actually kicked me into looking at myself, looking at the brilliant bits and understanding and being almost not sympathetic, but, you know, kind of the bits that are a bit flawed. And I kind of, you know, forgive myself for those part of, parts of me that are not in flawed, but like my own quirks, my own idiosyncrasies and what I'm just not so naturally adept to. And that's okay. Yeah, and I think, like I said, it was almost that being away, being somewhere different and then being having that time and space to think, which I think is so important for leaders and women at the top. And I I think that, you know, that prompt, that just that very innocent question that to him was really obvious that I'd never thought about that, oh my God, there's no measure of being enough. So naturally, I'm never going to feel enough. I need to do this in a different way. It's beautiful that... On so many occasions, I can say similar that it's the most obvious thing that's, that sometimes you just need it pointing out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, somebody will ask me a question and I'll go, but, but, and you, it feels like a trick question as well, doesn't it? That's the other thing. Yeah. when you, you can feel like you're being tricked into saying something and making a fool of yourself, but in actual fact, it is the most obvious thing mm-hmm. and you go, but I know that. <laughs> uh, it did feel like that. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I haven't thought about that before. Yeah. It's but, as simple as that. Yeah. yeah. Just someone else's perspective, someone else's observation, someone else's like, you know, sharp mind, just like, oh my gosh, of course. Because I'd worn that badge for all of my life. So it's still there, but I don't, it's not who I am anymore. It can nip at my heels, but it doesn't own me anymore. That's why I say you never know where a conversation will lead. (sighs) Having the conversation with you, Nicola, thank you so much for your time. Now, we do 
put the letters to listeners up on the website. We do put all the social links and everything in the show notes and all of those things. But we do like to encourage listeners to carry on the conversation. If they've got any questions and they want to reach out to you, Nicola, where is the best place for them to do it right now? Yeah. So I'm, I'm not really on much social media, but I am on LinkedIn. So that's my little corner of the internet. And then I also have a podcast, which is Female Leaders on Fire. So today's leadership lesson, I'm going to be talking about self-leadership a little bit more, but I'm going to be sharing some really simple steps to help you start to really cultivate and focus on and curate your own self-leadership. So you might want to get a journal, you might want to get a pen and write these down or listen to these again when you're maybe not driving, because these are steps that are going to help you to become focused on leading yourself first and self-leadership. So we talked about why self-leadership is important. We talked about why women are struggling. So what are those steps to self-leadership? So, so and then my website is nicolascorco.com. The spelling's not easy, so I will um, send it over to you to add to the show notes. So. We'll make sure that we get it absolutely yeah. bob on so people yeah. can find you but thank you no thanks nicola it's been a brilliant conversation that i know that listeners will love thanks you're welcome wow so the new coat analogy when you put something on that makes you feel absolutely amazing that you sort of stand taller in it that's a great analogy and for me I use the new shoes because sometimes you have to put something on that's going to be uncomfortable because new shoes need breaking in sometimes before they become your favourite. So no matter whether it's new coat or new shoes, if you really, really, truly believe it's the best step that you can take to grow for yourself and in your business, then try that coat on, buy the coat and take those shoes out for a walk. Next time on the show, we're going to be joined by Catherine Brown. Gosh, we had such a lot in common. We're going to be making conversations about persistence count. The question that often comes up in conversations that might still be interesting to your listeners is that sort of introversion, extroversion question. And I think... 